Exactly, Glichichi. I'm so popular. And tonight, I'm all on my own. I am reaching into the gloop and soup of the sea of the human heart, listening for your questions on love, lust, art, culture. Um, everything's fair game tonight. I asked my listeners to give me a call, and you delivered. So we're going to read your emails. We're going to listen to your voicemails. And I'm going to spill the tea, as it were. Obviously, I'm not going to give you advice for free, so I'm going to do about half the questions here on the main show, and the rest will be available only on Patreon. That's right. If you're not subscribed already, it's $5 a month, and not only are you going to hear that fascinating continuation of tonight's episode, but you also are going to receive the entirety of the Sirens Untucked show where every week me and my guests go into deeper detail about our lives. Um, there's an exclusive conversation with Anna Katchian of Red Scare about Kim Kardashian. You're missing half the story if you're not there already, so get those credit cards out. My independent film isn't going to fund itself. Thank you. So I'm very excited to get into all of your questions. I feel like the Loveline format is a tried-and-true podcasting tradition. And I remember when I was in high school and college, and a little bit of when I moved to Japan, one of the first podcasts I ever truly loved was the Savage Lovecast, as hosted by Dan Savage. He's a little notorious for being like a, a pretty major like LGBT lib or something these days, but... At the time, I was mostly charmed because the show gave you this really incredible spectacle of the human condition and all of these bizarre interweaving problems we develop in our interconnecting relationships. And I found um, his advice to be honestly pretty well thought through, and I really appreciated hearing these uh, intertextual lives brought together under the same format and getting this uh, wild scope of human feeling. I thought it was really beautiful and touching. And, of course, uh, The Love Line is a staple of Red Scare. The episodes are always a horror show, and the worst people I can ever imagine always seem to call in. So I feel like The Love Line is not only a, a great place to hear about the human experience, but it's also a good way to gauge the people that are listening to your show. So all of you are on fucking trial tonight, and I'm holding no hostages. So, uh, without any further ado, let's listen to the first voicemail here. Hi, um, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, I have a bit of a pickle that I am outsourcing for a third party, um, to get advice on, I guess. Um, essentially... I have been dating my boyfriend for going on three years now. Um, up until recently, um, he identified as a gay man. Um, and up until recently, so did I. As twink death set in, um, a lot of things kicked into place. And long story short, I uh, began to transition. I'm on hormones. Um, and when I told my boyfriend, his response was, I love you, not your gender. Part of me feels like this is bullshit. Another part of me wants it to be true. 
Um, I've been on hormones for about four months now, and I'm just curious as I go forward what an outsider's perspective is, um, especially a transvestite in Japan. Um, anyway, I love your show, and uh, I'd appreciate your feedback. Bye-bye. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for caring about what this little transvestite in Japan thinks about your life. I'm very flattered and warmed. And secondly, a big congratulations, omoreto gozaimasu, for taking this enormous step with your life. Something that I think remains a little uncommented upon with the transgender experience is um, just how much willpower and sheer strength of self it takes to uh, truly shape the world in the way you want to live it. And it's a very Nietzschean act, and I'm very excited for these next stages of your life. I'm sure you are too. And I especially think it takes a lot of Nietzschean willpower to make that choice when you've presumably been fairly comfortable in a previously homosexual relationship for going on three years. My goodness. Um, to be honest, I think one of the biggest stressors in any relationship is an enormous life change. And I know this personally from experience because when I moved from Mie Prefecture to Tokyo last year, I was still with my boyfriend of um, two years at the time, two and a half years, and I was very convinced that <clears throat> he was the one. We were going to be getting married, and I was going to be living my life with him. Uh, married in America, by the way, not Japan. It's still legal here. But my kind of vision for my life was uh, very intrinsically wrapped with uh, my ex-boyfriend. And I thought that this change in my life and this uh, big distance was going to not really impact our relationship and my love for him. But I did end up ultimately finding that the relationship was kind of strangling me. I've talked about this before, and... Um, I, I felt like my life had been set into stone and that all of the possibilities and things that I was dreaming of were becoming a little bit more locked off and difficult to accomplish because of that relationship. And I have a feeling that as the months go by and your transition becomes more literalized in the physical realm, I have a, a, a little bit of a suspicion that uh, things are probably going to change more for you and not for him. And maybe that seems like a little bit of a obvious comment, but what I mean by that is you are entering a whole new emotional universe. You are uprooting what you previously knew, and you are bravely wading into the gender swamp uh, that you have um, maybe only fleetingly touched in the past. I don't know. And I think that what you're going to maybe end up discovering is that there's a whole spectrum of capacity that you had no idea about before. You're going to find out that there are all of these uh, new things you want to experience in the life that you're building. And I think that what might ultimately happen is that, um, of course, your, your boyfriend is supporting you now and is uh, saying that, you know, he loves you and your soul and not necessarily your gender. Um, but what I think might end up happening, and maybe the reason that you're actually asking this in the first place is because you might be yearning for a, a different kind of experience than what you have right now. 
and there's nothing wrong with that. I think uh, things are going to kind of naturally shake themselves out, and there's no reason to disbelieve him now. And I, I do think that he probably is sincere in uh, saying that he, he loves your soul and he loves you. And maybe it'll it'll work out and, uh, I don't know, maybe you're dating, like, some, like, dom, rough, trade, like, grisly, hairy man who, like, just, like, wants, like, a feminine object to slam. And, I mean, if that's the case, then, like, work, you know, that that's going to keep, uh, that's going to keep rolling on. Uh, but if he's maybe more of a traditional, um, gay man and a little bit, uh, like, less interested in that sexual aspect, then, you know, I think maybe things will change for him, too. But, like I said, I, I don't really think that there's, like, a, a an urgent need to change anything at the moment. And I think it's great that there's someone in your life who loves you while you're making um, a very serious, literal transition. And I think it's good to, to have that. Um, but, you know, do be aware of your own feelings and what you're yearning for as these next uh, months and years uh, go on and just make sure you know what you want. Because if you find that, um, you know, your boyfriend still loves you and, you know, things feel great, but there's a chip in your soul that you're longing for something else, you have to honor that and uh, pursue it. You're already uh, reshaping your life to, you know, live as truthfully as possible. So, Make sure you apply that sentiment to uh, your aches and desires for new experiences, too. So, best of luck to you. I think everything's going to work out. I think he probably, like I said, I already said this, I'm repeating myself, but I think, you know, he, he does feel this way, and uh, maybe his feelings will change in the future, but uh, as long as your feelings are the same now, there's no need to really make a make an abrupt choice at the moment. Just make sure that you're... Uh, Keeping in touch with your heart. Okay, so this is from the anonymous Google mailbag I set up. Um, and the question is as follows. What do you think of lesbians? Like, really? Also, why does homosexuality exist at all? <laughs> okay. <laughs> lesbians! Um, okay. Well... What I think about lesbians, really, is that I love them. It, it's funny that you ask me this because recently I encountered a gay man when I was in Korea who just bemoaned lesbians. He just hated them. Uh, he, like, went on this, like, little tirade that was, like, very awkward for me where he was just, like, railing on the horrific culture of lesbians. But <clears throat> personally, I've always found them to be very compelling. And uh, I love archetypes. And that's part of the reason I love being a gay man so much are these uh, archetypes that people commit to and fully mold their lives into in this uh, big Oscar Wilde uh, performance of the self. And I feel like lesbians have that down really pat. I wish I was like more familiar with uh, some of the more intricate subcultures of lesbianism, like beyond like bull dyke, lipstick lesbian, like that kind of thing. Um, but the ones I do recognize are all very compelling and uh, aesthetically defined. And I love that. And all the lesbians I've ever known in my life have been deeply artistic people, very articulate, knowing of all things, like uh, just so well-read and uh, 
artistically versatile and the fact that they feel like the same unrequited aching that a lot of gay men feel um but have like the lack of manic sex drive for the most part not all but you know plenty of them i think it leads to like a a more like refined bjork utopia society uh, which kind of explains like the lesbian bed death phenomenon where they all just like get married and like uh disappear into their houses to rot next to one another sexlessly in bed uh, it's because, like, they have their lifestyles perfected, and it's, like, so, so beautiful. I, I also think that there's, like, a lot of, uh, how do I say this eloquently? There's a lot of, like, difficulties, I think, for, that are facing lesbian culture right now, between, like, gender panic that is uh, making people less confident in being, like, a masculine lesbian woman, and between, like, the omnipresent, never-ending threat of straight girls who, like, think that they're lesbian for three months or something, I feel like those are kind of imposing obelisks that, uh, I don't know, I feel like uh, the, the current generation of, like, Zoomer lesbians, like, kind of have, like, an opportunity to, like, overcome that, and if anything, like, my dear friend, uh, Vera... If any of them are like her at all, then I think we're in we're in great shape, and we're gonna have like a whole uh, militaristic league of dykes that are going to overcome these obnoxious cultural vestiges and bring about a new era of poly and artistic dyke lesbianism that will save the world. Maybe. <laughs> um, as to why do I think people are homosexual? Um, okay, well I'm like born this way, Lady Gaga on the runway, but. At the same time, I'm not. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, I was, like, conditioned to be gay from, like, my really crazy, like, <laughs> um, diva-worshipping mother who, like, basically, like, raised me single-handedly for, like, the first 12 years of my life. So, uh, I think it's both an element of nature that people are a little bit genetically dispositioned to be gay, but also it's a quite a bit of nurture and uh, the situation uh, surrounding you that um, brings about the issue. I wish I knew more about, like, what might condition a woman into being lesbian. Um, but I don't know. As for me, it was the fact that I was, like, born, like, kind of a girly child. And then also, like, my mom. <laughs> it's just, like, fully my mom. So, yeah. Lesbians, they rock. Oh, and before I forget, I also, like, there's, um a lesbian bar in Nietzsche called Goldfinger that I talked about on Sirens before, but I just love watching dykes, like, fight with each other and get drunk and, like, go to the bar. It's like, oh, it's so, so fun. It's very depressing that, like, the lesbian bar scene is, like, a fully wilted dead flower in America because I think, if anything, we need way, 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 way more. We need to get these girls together and get them to make art and think about criticism and save the world. Exactly. Um, hello. My question is, would you rather watch your parents have sex once a day for the rest of your life, or join it once to make it stop? Thank you. Uh, okay, this one's pretty easy for me. I'm a very busy gal. (laughs) Like, I, like, don't even have enough time to, like, cook and clean and, like, work out all the time, and it's, like, If I had to, like, spend an extra, like, I don't know, 20 minutes of my life every day watching my parents fuck, it just would be too much of a nuisance on my schedule. So, 
I'm going to put some earplugs in. I'm going to blindfold myself. I'm just going to get it over with one time because uh, I just need the time, honestly. Thank you. Okay, so this one was asked to me on Instagram by user Disco Yak. Thank you kindly. Uh, Disco Yak asks, After listening to the last episode, I'm confused on why you hate K-pop, but not J-pop. Please expand on this. Okay, sure. I've been waiting for someone to ask me this my entire life. I'm, like, ready to go. Um, so, as I discussed a little bit on the last episode, I in fact, like, kind of got back into Japanese culture, uh, through the means of Japanese pop music, and my good friend Sonora recommended me a lot of Korean music at the same time, so I was basically, like, a, uh, oriental generalist at that moment, and I was listening to a lot of Jong Hyun and Shiny and kind of old-school Twice stuff, um, and at the same time, I was listening to Utara Hikaru and, uh, Shina Ringo, and I think that's kind of a good place to set the divide. Uh, while I was listening to, like, Red Velvet and Twice and stuff, uh, what you get is a very obvious set of American influences. Uh, lots of Korean music is exported uh, to America for production, so they'll have, like, L.A. hip-hop and pop producers kind of assemble the music and even when they don't do that, it feels very familiar to what we know in America. But then you look at, like, Utari Hikaru and Shina Ringo, and the kind of uh, strangeness of their music and the specific flavor of their lyricism and their set of cultural references, they feel very uniquely Japanese. So my basic answer is that Japanese music feels original and Korean music feels derivative. I think that goes into the deepest pits of the idols because, like, you know, I just listed Utada and Shinaringo. Like, these are two, like, artours of the uh, pop music industry. But even when you go, like, into the most, like, basic, repulsive, yucky, crystal clear, smooth, jewel case, idol pop music of Japan, it still, excuse me, it still feels very uniquely Japanese. Uh, you just have to look at fucking AKB and Nogizaka and all of those huge um, idol groups because uh, the structuring of their songs and the kind of electronics that they use, the bizarre choral effects of like 20 girls like singing at once, um, it produces a very unique product. And it is very different from Korea where the... Um, music is, like, laser beam focused to perfection. And their image of perfection is something that is very obviously derived from the West. So I like Japanese pop music more because it feels a little more inspired. It feels like a little bit more of a unique hidden object. And Korean music just really doesn't get there for me. And despite my travels, and despite the fact that I can't stop listening to Forever One by Girls' Generation over and over again five times a day, uh, I still feel like that's true, and I still do feel like Korean pop music is, like, lacking a specific perverse cultural or traditional edge that makes it feel special, and makes it feel like it's a 
uniquely Korean object. Uh, but, you know, watching all those gay men perform the songs on stage, like, I do respect it now for being a vessel for homosexuals to act out their fantasies on top of a smooth, focused, crystalline stage of generic music. And it does allow for a lot of uh, input of emotion and overlaying of a personal narrative on top of the music. So I do respect Korean music a little more than I did about four weeks ago. Um, But yeah, J-pop is better because it sounds Japanese and Korean music sounds Western. If I want to listen to American music, I'll listen to American music. And that's that. Hey, uh, I'm at work right now, so I'm going to be very quiet. But um, I just wanted to ask, uh, how do I break up with my boyfriend who I really don't vibe with? He's done nothing wrong. I just don't know if I can handle dating him anymore. Um, Really nice guy. Don't get me wrong. I just, I, I suck. Thank you. Okay, um, I am a little familiar with this sensation, and uh, the fact of the matter is that your brain is going to probably keep wanting to invent new reasons and bizarre acrobatics in order to, like, delay the inevitable, but if you're just not into it, you're just not into it, and it's very unfortunate, but there's nothing that you can really do to change that, um... I mean, it's good to, like, look at the beginning of your relationship and where it currently stands and to think a little bit about what made you uh, feel that you were into him in the first place and why that element is absent now. See if there's anything different that can be resolved. But, you know, if it really is just, like, a matter of, like, oh, like, I am dating the wrong person, I don't know how I got here and I need to get out... Uh, you need to be extremely articulate with him about exactly why it's not working. You have to tell him, like, precisely, like, and it's going to be hard, but you're going to have to be able to tell him in a very, you know, clear detail why you're not, quote, vibing, unquote, with him. It sounds like you're pretty checked out and, like, you don't want to put effort into, like, maybe solving these problems. So when you're going to have to tear the Band-Aid off, and uh, rip into the meat of it, the most important thing I can say is just, like, be, like, well-equipped ahead of time as to what you're going to say and what your reasoning is. The reason I don't vibe with you is this, 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 and this. And make sure that, like, when you say it, it's like, well, don't you feel that too? Like, do you not feel that way? You know, if he doesn't, like, listen to him about what he says, but, you know, remain insistent and just say that this is not the relationship I envision myself in. I don't have the feelings I did for you because of these reasons. And I'm sorry, but I can't continue the relationship. Um, And uh, sit him down, be kind about it, uh, tell him what you're grateful for, and then in articulate detail, explain everything I just said. So it's very hard. Uh, Best of luck to you. I hope it works out as smoothly as possible, but just get it over with. Because it's not going to get better if you don't think it is. Um, and if you don't want to try. So just do it as soon as you can. As soon as you can like make sure you're ready to talk about it. Just to lob the arm off.
Okay, so we have another question from the Google Anonymous form. And somebody dared to ask me, how do you feel about chubs? <laughs> how do I feel about chubs? Um, okay, here is the secret element to being attractive as a gay male. You have to somewhere within your presentation of self present at least one element of masculinity. Maybe it's in the way you dress. Maybe it's in the way you talk. Uh, maybe it's in the extremely sexualized, ripped physique that you're offering me, as so many men do. But as I said, the most important thing is like some layer of a macho, masculine, manly sensation. So how do I feel about chubs? Honey, if you're giving man, if you are, you know, showing me that you are like some sort of like male and aren't just like a squealing girl, squealing world, then okay, sure, why not? I mean, I've had sex with plenty of overweight men in my life, so that's great. And sometimes it's very sexy. If you can, like, pull your chub off in a way that is, like, brutish and... Then, okay, great, let's go. But if you're, like, like a, a slippery seal and you got, like, a big, bulbous layer there, and, you know, you're, like, self-conscious about it, and, like, acting like a 17-year-old girl taking her prom dress off in front of the, you know, football player, and, like, being squirrely about your stomach, then that's disgusting, and I'm not into it. You have to pull it off with masculinity. So, how do I feel about chubs? Work. Just make sure that it's, like, giving, like, something that I can be interested in personally. Hi, Zach. Long time listener, first time caller. Calling in because I got, I got a problem at work. You know, I keep in the, uh, I've currently been involved with two people I work with, um, sexually. And now the third potential suitor coming my way. And I do want to fuck him, but I don't want to be too much of a slut especially at work. So I'm just wanting to get your advice on whether or not I should pursue this or if I should really hold off and pump the brakes a bit. Thanks so much. Bye. Bitch, where the fuck do you work? Are you working at, like, the gay video store in the year 2006? Are you working at the fucking Steamworks? Where are you, like employed with like multiple gay men who you're like slamming on the side and also are they hiring um okay so you're asking me you're you're already involved with two at once and you are worried that three is going to be the straw that will break the whore's back well um okay probably you shouldn't fuck more than one of your co-workers at once? I feel like that's, like, the realistic answer. Like, you know, a co-worker for heterosexuals is already very taboo. For gay men, a co-worker is, you know, not a big deal. So I'm not, you know, scandalized by that. Two, I'm still not scandalized. Three, I'm not scandalized, but I am a little envious. I can't even imagine. There's, like, 14 people I work with, and I'm the only one, and I... 
Oh, oh, sorry. I just like got so angry. Like threw my mic around in rage. I'm so jealous and furious at you. But okay, should you pursue it? Okay, how much do you like your job? Do you like love your job? Do you like love your work dynamic? If you're like in some PR office and it's like a really like friendly vibe and like everyone gets like drinks after work and like you like have a little chit chat about the new Game of Thrones episode at the water cooler over work provided donuts, then okay, you should probably cool it a little bit because uh, the more elements introduced into the social dynamic, uh, the more chaotic and uncomfortable it's going to become. But if you're just, like, packing boxes at the Amazon warehouse or if you're, like, putting a bunch of, like, stuff onto shelves or you're, like, doing, like, a job where it's, like, the work culture isn't that intense, I'd just say go for it if it's just, like, you know, not a big part of your social life. Because, I mean, like, okay, the worst that could happen is that they all find out and they're all mad about it. Like, that's, like, the worst thing. And then I guess, like, one of them could, like, lie that you raped them or something, but I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Sorry, that's, like, a ridiculous thing to be worried about. Uh, I'm just saying that it's, like, like, the worst possible scenario is that they all tell each other and they all hate you and like, they spread gossip about you and your workplace becomes miserable. But if you aren't that, like, seriously involved in the work social life, then it doesn't matter at all. They're all mad about air. So, yeah, it just kind of depends on your workplace, I think. Uh, personally, I would absolutely not do it if in my current work environment or any of the others I have ever worked in. The two times I have ever been uh, propositioned by coworkers was when I was working at McDonald's and my gay manager, I think we kissed, but I don't remember. Uh, he gave me alcohol and I was very young. I was like a 17 and he was older and uh, I had drinks at his house in Bend, Oregon. And it was very romantic and a sweeping emotion for me. Loved it. And then we made out on the side of the highway between Bend and Sisters with my McDonald's manager. Oh, that's a nice memory. And then the other time was when I, oh, it's when the janitor, the, the janitor with bad breath at one of those the places I used to work at in Japan uh, tried to solicit me after a work party and I had to like kick him out of my house and I ended up like pushing him onto a table when he tried to like lick my teeth and like try to get into my my face so I like pushed him to a table and the table broke sounds like you're having a lot more fun than I am okay so next we have a question from Instagram that was asked by the mother of house von Schwarz who I uh, regularly perform with in Tokyo. I have a show with them uh, this coming Saturday in Kabuki Cho. Uh, and this is the mother of the house, not Mara. And she asked me, what influences do you have for your drag? Hmm. This is a great question that no one has ever asked me before, and I love hearing it. I would say that um, in terms of, like, transvestites that I take influence from... It would definitely be, like, Lady Bunny, Coco Peru, and Miwa Akihiro. And the thing that they all have in common is that they are intellectuals. They're very talky. 
Their looks are never really out of this world. Um, Coco Peru kind of just dresses like a normal, like, cross-dresser. But what they have in spades that most drag queens do not is a opinion about things. They have a a serious perspective and artistic idea about the rest of the world. So I've always felt very inspired by them. Um, Not to mention that Miwa was so beautiful in such an effortless way. No makeup, just a little bit of BB cream. And uh, I I wish I could emulate her levels of glamour uh, in the same way that she's so intelligent and so uh, thoroughly lived in her life with all of these experiences between like the uh, bombing of Nagasaki and dancing with Mishima Yukio in Ginza in the 60s. It's like, God, I wish that I could live a life so rich and uh, speckled with global history as I'm like floating through it all with just a little speck of concealer and some eyeshadow. And then I think outside of that, uh, I think Marina Abramovich, (laughs) believe it or not, is like kind of an influence on me. It's yet to really um, manifest in any meaningful way, but I uh, I definitely think about her artistic ethos a lot. Uh, Bjork as well, uh, her extremely sexual performances in her music videos, her nudity, um, her willingness to shock, and her um, lust for going through the deepest perils of the human experience in the name of creating great art. Oh, God, that's very up my alley. Um, and then, like, in a literary sense, like, obviously Mishima is a big influence for me, and uh, his ideas about death and beauty and the fascism of encountering something gorgeous is uh, very important to me. And... Um, yeah. Madonna. Madonna. Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. If I can look as severe as her in those photos for the sex book, if I can look as severe as that one time in my life, my mission will have been accomplished. Hey, Chi Chi, it's Alex Cass. Uh, so my, my question is, uh, what drugs have you done? And uh, which has been your favorite experience? And which would have been your uh, least favorite? And also any, any fun uh, stories uh, do you think that we might like to hear? Something that you would have put in your diary but not shared until directly asked by me. Cheers. Well, if you want to hear the answer to that, you're going to have to uh, pay me $5 on patreon.com slash I'm so popular. Link in the description. 